Welcome to Fraud Busting. I'm Tracy Brown, the Fraud Busting Body Language Expert. I've spent the last 20 years reading people, uncovering secrets hidden in plain sight to find the truth in crimes, politics, and billion dollar business deals. It's time to dive in so you can beat the fraudsters at their own game and build your bottom line. Mike Staver visits me on Fraud Busting today. He recounts his story of being defrauded by his assistant in the 1990s and the mistakes he made that led to the losses. Now there's been recent activity on the case that only 4% of fraud victims experience. You'll be shocked at what happened and what he's done as a result. Enjoy. Hi, it's Tracy. Just a quick thought. What would you do with $4? With that same money, a hacker can buy all of your info. I mean, social security number, credit card numbers, passwords, health insurance info, and yes, even your kid's information. Now I've searched around on the dark web and it's a good bet your info is out there for sale waiting to be used. If you're lucky, it'll just be a few charges to your credit card, but smart hackers are tapping into your credit to buy TVs, cars, houses, use your medical insurance, and even take over your banking and investment accounts, effectively kicking you out of your own accounts. You're the one that's going to be stuck with this big problem, have mystery bills due, and need to get your money back while repairing your good credit. Now, the folks at ID Shield know this and have the solution. I've teamed up with them on their ID theft insurance. It's comprehensive, it's inexpensive, and it will let you rest easy. They will replace any money you lost, give you access to their team of licensed private investigators to do whatever it takes to repair your credit score. Yep, they'll do the heavy lifting and spend all the hours on the phone and the time it takes to restore your online reputation to pre-breach levels. You, your money, and your reputation are worth more than $4. Treat yourself like it. Go to fraud-busting.com slash IDShield to learn more and get covered today. It's fraud-busting.com slash IDShield. We'll see you on the protected side when you get there. Mike, thank you so much for coming on Fraud Busting. It's really an honor to have you. Like I said, I've heard so many good things thank about you. you. Yeah. Thanks for taking the time. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Tracy. It's, uh, I'm, looking, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about my stupidity. Oh, <laughs> well, let, let's get to know you first because yeah. I think you're one of the smartest guys around. So um, what has been... Have, the thing that you least expected you would be um, doing, maybe even out of character during this pandemic, because it's been going on uh, most majority of the year now at this point. Um, any, like, did you binge watch any shows or um, hoard anything at the grocery store? Like anything out of character? Um, yeah, I gained 17 pounds. That's out of character. <gasps> oh my um, gosh. Holy cow. I, I, I am pretty healthy. I've weighed within 10, within five to six pounds of my same weight since uh -huh. high school. So for me to gain 17 pounds, is a big deal. In fact, I'm on, this is way out of character. I, uh, I'm on the keto diet right now. Oh. And, uh, so if I can't remember my name, that's why. Uh, oh, so that's, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now, I was, uh, I've eaten 
here you go. This is a little useless trivia for your listeners. I, I've eaten six pounds, seven pounds of peanut butter since March the 14th. <gasps> now, okay, let's talk about this a little bit. So what, what kind of, what is it that like Peter Pan or? Yeah, it's, Skip, it's Skippy's peanut butter. Skippy's. Oh, so it's not smooth, even the natural not stuff. Not crunchy. Uh, smooth oh, only. You're smooth. Okay. Now, um, big spoonfuls at a time. Is no, bread? no, no. No, what? on toast usually. Toast. Or, or I discover, you wonder why I gained 17 pounds. Or uh, on apples, it's really good. Oh. So I would take some peanut butter with a knife and put it on apple, eat it. Was good this protein. just all day at your desk or uh, no. what? In the morning, I'd eat quite a bit, and then uh, that's it, really. Just in the mornings, I'd eat some toast with peanut butter and then eat a couple of apples with peanut butter. Can you imagine? Wow, that? like every day. So then, uh, is this the um, uh, stimulus for the keto diet that you went on, or what's the- 17 pounds is. Uh, I, uh, yeah, the 17 pounds is, because you know I got to the lake uh, few weeks ago and uh the sheriff came over and said do you need some help getting back in the water and i said i said why and they said because that's where all whales should be oh did you really say it they didn't say that no no oh okay uh i just i just you know well you know no you obviously do not know how it is but i've never been a weight gainer ever and so i started putting on clothes and i'm like what is wrong so anyway i'm seven pounds down and so that's good okay all right well um no peanut butter though i'm off of it you're off peanut butter all right all right well fair enough i mean you had enough you had like a three-year supply in, in, <laughs> in a five, couple five six pounds man and the only way reason i know that is because it says it on the jar it says how much it is oh boy okay okay so tell us a little bit about you like what are you up to now and then we're gonna jump in because you're okay. you're a fraud victim um right. at least uh you know today for purposes of this show that's what we're after but what, what do you do most of the time so uh i did the last keynote in vegas uh at the Wynn hotel in um march march 14th i want to say mm-hmm. in fact they were literally closing the Wynn hotel as we were walking out the door it was the strangest feeling very weird it's sad for the employees too because all of them look so sad and told me sad stories so uh like anybody who's been in the speaking industry coaching business hospitality industry i guess a lot of industries uh, you know, we very quickly shifted, my team shifted from this is what we're doing for this amount of money to help the hurting. I mean, on that next Monday, we got together and I said, all I care about is helping the hurting going mm-hmm. forward. That's it. We're going to help the hurting. I don't care what it costs. I don't care how much time it takes. I don't care if we make a dollar. And so we started doing a lot of webinars, offering some free consultation on mm-hmm. crisis management plans. That's okay. kind of my background back when the fraud happened, that's kind of what I was doing. And, mm-hmm. and I have a coaching practice, a really robust coaching practice. I'm very blessed to have uh, about 30 cl- coaching clients. Uh, and then I have some retainer clients. So I'm doing a lot of coaching, a lot of online uh, stuff and uh, working hard on our virtual leadership development platform. Cause that's Got it. So are you mostly leadership or sales or where's your, leadership. Like, like, say it again. Leadership. Leadership. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now, um, you had a little problem though, a little, little ways back. Tell, tell us what, what exactly happened with this fraud situation you ended up in. So I was looking for an assistant because the business was starting to get a little more 
out of control than I wanted it to. And invoices were going past due, not paying invoices, billing. Mm-hmm. So uh, I decided to hire somebody, but I didn't have any money to hire somebody. So what I did was I said, as part of your compensation, I will uh, give you space in my home for free. So oh. my office was in my house back in those days. I paid some minimal amount of money, like $20,000 a year. And I'll pay you 20000 and you can have that side, that bedroom. So I had a uh, house with two masters, and so it's the other side of the house. I said, you can have this young, very young person, probably her second or third job. Mm-hmm. She wanted to move to California. Uh, she was an East Coast person, wanted to move to California. And uh, I don't actually remember how I got in touch with her. I want to say it was a referral mm-hmm. from somebody. I believe it was a referral from somebody who I had met. And uh, so that's what happened. And she um, came out and I trained her on what I wanted her to do. And uh, so I trained her and all I really wanted her to do was manage my calendar and manage my invoicing and deposits. So if you could invoice the clients, manage my calendar, make the deposits, that'd be great. And okay. that's what she started doing. Mm-hmm. And then what happened? So she's living in your house and there must've been a, uh, like something went wrong at some point when you went, whoa, wait a minute. Like tell, yeah. tell us about that moment. Yeah. So I was in Northern California. I was speaking at a, well, I was on my way to Northern California. I was living in Southern California at the time. I was on my way to Northern California to do a public seminar. I was in the public seminar business in those days. Mm-hmm. I worked for a company that put on public seminars okay. years and years ago. And uh, they were my, I didn't work for them, but they were my biggest client. And so they were very good about paying, very, very good about paying. And so I was looking at my receivables. And one thing she was really good at was keeping good records, which if you're going to commit uh, a fraud, turns out that's one of the things you need to be really good at. Yeah. Uh-huh. Doctoring up the records. So I was looking at an invoice and I thank God I did not give her access to my bank account. I just gave her access to the checks that were coming in, no checks going out. And so I was looking at my bank balance and I thought I did this many gigs and this is what the receivables were, but my bank balance did not reflect that. And so I thought that's really weird. So I went to her and I asked her the question. I said, uh, this doesn't, it just doesn't jive. And she said, well, they're just slow pay. And I said, they're never slow pay. I wonder if something's going on or are they unhappy? Did they miss an invoice? Never once did it occur to me that I was getting robbed. So I call, I'll never forget it. I was in, I was in Northern California speaking at a, a, no, I'm sorry. Right before I left for Northern California, I called the client and I said, hey, it's kind of weird. This invoice and this invoice are more than 60 days past due. Uh-huh. And they usually paid in 14 days. Right. And the person I talked to, who I knew very well, was my connection there. She said, that's really weird because we have a policy to pay in 14 days, as you know, from the, the close of your event. I said, I know. I got, in the, got to Northern California. I was speaking. I got a call. And she said, I have good news and bad news. This person from my client, I said, what's the good news? She said, the good news is we paid you in 14 days. The bad news is you don't have the money. And I said, that's right. And she said, I have one more thing I'm going to do and I'll call you back. I said, well, could you check? And she goes, why don't we do this? Why don't we see if the check has been cashed? Now, 
Tracy, to tell you the truth, at first, I was kind of offended by the question because my first instinct was she just thinks I've got bad memory or bad uh -huh. right, right. bookkeeping skills. So I, I did the next hour and a half. I was standing in a little tiny office in a community center, like one of those theater kind of community centers in okay, yeah. California. And there was a fax machine. I'll never forget it. There was a fax machine in this room. And she called me and she said, I'm not even going to mention it to you. She goes, I'm going to fax you something and, and just stay on the phone. And so I was on the phone okay. and I'm staring at this fax machine and through the fax machine comes the front of the check that she, one of the checks that the company had written to me. Okay. There were actually two okay. at this point. And it came through and it, there it said, Mike Staver, the amount of money. And she said, do you have the first fax? It's so dramatic. And I said, yeah, I have the first fax. She goes, now, I want you to sit down and I'm going to fax you the back of the check. Oh. The backs of the checks. Because okay. those are back in those days, right? When you sent real checks. Yeah. And uh, so the, back, the fax came through with the backs of the checks and it said, pay to the order of my assistant's name with my signature forged on the back of the checks. Oh boy, so uh, caught red handed there. Now, was your signature a match? It was close, not good though. I mean, anybody okay. could have looked at that and gone, what did a five-year-old make that signature? Oh, oh boy. Okay, so then what happened? Like, okay, so how, oh, let me back up. How much money are we talking about? Will you, do you wanna say? Yeah, right now, at this point, it's about 4,500 bucks. Okay. Uh, on those checks. Now, I will tell you when, I, and this was years ago in those days, and, and the beauty of this story is how it ends, right? It's the, I don't know if it's beauty, but it's I irony. Uh, so I was in my mid thirties, okay, uh, early thirties. So that's a very long time ago. So uh, the forty five hundred bucks is a lot of money, and sure. but here's the moment. This is the moment. So here I am. I've got four or five hundred people in this audience. I'm sitting in this office, I'm looking at the back of this check and I'm thinking, she stole this money from me. She has access to everything in my house. Yeah. She is in my house. I am 500 miles from my house, whatever it is. I can't get her out of my house. What do I do? <gasps> so I did what any speaker does. <laughs> I went and finished my seminar. Yeah, you went on stage. <laughs> yeah, I did what I was supposed to do, right? And, uh, and yeah, and I flew home and I, I walked in and to the house and uh, she had prepared herself to leave. She was, she had a guy that she was allegedly in love with. And so she had told me that she probably wasn't going to do this job much longer. So my discovery of this coincided with her desire to to move on and so she had already a pre-planned trip back to her home state um, to visit this guy and so I the woman I was dating at the time and I called guy got back and she was already gone and uh, called her and remember the old days we had those answering machines and you go hey thanks for calling leave a message at the right time. right yeah I had one of those and I don't know if you know this or if you remember this but there was you could push a button on those and record a call right to the machine. Oh, I never had to do that. Okay. Yeah. So uh, my girlfriend and I called her and we were just talking to her, catching up. She was very gregarious and hilarious and friend to everybody and never met a stranger. She was amazing with my clients. 
And uh, so she, uh, making a long story short, she finally, because my girlfriend wasn't a very good interviewer, uh, she finally admitted it. Right? Oh, I, really? She admitted yeah. it? That's unusual. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think the reason she admitted it was because I told her I had the checks in my hand that she had signed um, and I knew what was going on. So what was her plan to reimburse me? I said, and if you don't give me, if you don't right now, give me the money, I said, then I'm going to take another step. And what happened? She did not reimburse me. Um, she said, uh, I don't have the money and I just needed it really bad. And I, you know, like I said, whatever, well, if you needed money that bad, you could have asked me, I could have given you some money. You live in my house for free. Uh -huh. I said, you have no bills except the bills that are self-induced. And my mistake was, um, <clears throat> well, I won't get into all my mistakes, but I made several mistakes, but I basically what I did was I said, look, you're gonna have to pay me back and you are gonna have to figure out a way. Well, I don't take, I don't, I will bend over backwards to help you. I probably would have given her $4,500 if she needed it right. or loaned it to her. But if you, if you take advantage of my generosity or my kindness or my whatever you want to call it, I'm going to come after you. So I go to the bank. I don't want to use the name of the bank. That wouldn't be fair. Let's call them Wells Fargo. Sure. I go to and I walk in with the checks in my hand. Turns out there were more. We later found out there were more. Oh, but boy. I went with the checks in my hand and I, this is how stupid I was and what I hope your listeners will get if they don't already know. I went with the checks in my hand and I put them down in front of the bank, right? That she deposited those checks in, which was not my bank. I, I don't know what bank I was with in those days, but she was with Wells Fargo and she, and I put those two signed checks that she had endorsed to herself. And I said, you cash these checks, you are liable for these checks. Uh, and they said, no, we're not. That's your problem. It's, it's buyer beware, some stupid thing. Um, and I'm like, well, you need to give me this $4,500. You deposited this money. This is obviously a fraud. And so then they gave it to the manager. Turns out they didn't do anything. They didn't reimburse me. They didn't acknowledge that they were liable, none of that. So then I decided, well, what you need to do is you need to go and you need to go to the police. So okay. I did. Yeah. Okay. So I went to the cops and I filed a uh, police report. Okay. And the police officer said, this is such a minimal amount of money. Um, They're not going to pay attention. Doesn't really matter. And I said, okay. Well, I found a detective. A detective called me. I, got, I wish I could remember this guy's name. Uh, he's one of those kind of old, crotchety, old school, crooked tie you know, messed Coffee up Coffee and donuts. Yeah. 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 Just probably a thousand years old, but he was just, he was like a good solid leather beaten street pounding cop that was out for justice. I just loved talking to the guy. He's like, well, probably a heavy smoker. Cause he had that really raspy. He was like, well, Mike, it's not a lot of money to Wells Fargo. And, uh, but it's probably a lot of money to you, son. Cause yeah, I'm young. Yeah. I said, it is a lot of money to me, sir, and I appreciate that. And he said, so I'm going to submit it to the DA's office for prosecution because he said it is obviously a fraud, but he said it is also, um, I can't remember. He said, obviously, it's grand theft person. She stole the money from you, and it's something else and something. Uh -huh. So he went to the DA and submitted it, and I got a letter. <laughs> I got a letter from the... DA in Orange County, California, not the DA, but whoever does that. Yeah, their office. Said, yeah. 
while it is unfortunate that this, is, this uh, has occurred, the fact is that the money is of such a minimal nature that we are choosing not to pursue it because it's such a little amount of money. Ugh. And I lost my mind. I literally, I remember it like it was yesterday. Uh -huh. I was living in uh, Liso Viejo, uh, California. And, I'm sorry, Irvine, California. And I just lost my mind. And I was like, what? So I immediately sent a letter back. Of course, this was before email. I sent a letter back and it said, dear whoever that person. I, no, I sent it to the DA, not the deputy DA. I sent it to the district attorney. And I said, I've received your letter. The letter is enclosed because in those days, right, that's what you had to do. And I am distressed to see that you're um, not going to do it. But this is the way Orange County decides to treat small business owners. Mm -hmm. So since it's not that much money, please find enclosed my invoice to you for $4,500. Because if it's not a lot of money, I'm guessing your department can just pay it and we can all call it. Oh, man. <laughs> what I did. What happened? Uh, a week later, I got a letter from the DA's office. I'm sure he or she, whoever it was at the time, didn't mm -hmm. sign it, that said, uh, we have reviewed your file and we are going to take the case. And issue oh, a, good job. And issue a warrant for her arrest. And that's uh -huh. what I did. So then did she get arrested? Like what? Nope. No. She <clears throat> skipped town. Uh, she skipped town and went back east where she was from. And uh, I just could not let go of it. You know, mm -hmm. Tracy, I just could not let go of it. And it wasn't the money, to tell you the truth, although I, it did hurt. Uh, and um, it was just the outright betrayal because this is my weakness and people who are listening, maybe some of your listeners have this same weakness. I tend to believe the best. And so I tend to be very helpful, very helpful, very helpful. And then when I get taken advantage of, I'm like, what was I thinking? You know, why did I, anyway. So I just wouldn't let go of it. So I uh, called a lawyer friend of mine, lawyer acquaintance of mine. Mm -hmm. And I said, what do you recommend? And they said, we could file something civilly, small claims, um, but you know, it's not going to matter. She's back East. What I would do is find a private investigator in her hometown and hire that private investigator to find her and confront her. And I said, okay. So I hired a private investigator. And the private investigator uh, called me on the phone, interviewed me, and he said, you know, I usually give this to one of my people, but I'm going to handle this myself because I'm a small okay. business owner too, and I'm going to do it myself. And I said, okay. So, uh, I don't know, maybe a week later, he said, all right, I know where she works. I know where she lives. I know what kind of car she drives. I know all that. He said, here are our options. He said, I can confront her directly. I can go to her home. I can... And he goes, here's my recommendation. My recommendation is that I talk to her when she comes out of work. I said, well, that's what I'm paying you for. So he went to her work and uh, he just sat there in the parking lot waiting for her to come out. Of course, oh, I had a picture of her. Sure. She came out of the building and he walked up to her and told her that he was a private investigator investigating a fraud perpetuated on a California company, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and uh, that his client would be willing to drop the whole matter if she would just uh, reimburse him, make restitution for the theft. Right. She bursts into tears, runs away, gets in her car and goes home. The next day, uh, this is you know, a long time ago, so roughly that week, I get a call from her father 
pleading her case. She's just oh. a young girl. You know, she made a mistake. Can we just let bygones be bygones? And I went, no, I said $4,500. And, and there was dead silence on the phone. Uh-huh. He said, it's $4,500. I said, it's more than that. I said, it's probably closer now to seven or $8,000. Uh-huh. And I said, but you know what? If she'll come up with the $4,500 that I can prove, I can pretty much prove the other four, but I know I can prove this because I have the checks. Uh-huh. I'm happy to send them to you. She, he said, well, how do you know it was her? I said, I have the signature. The bank verified the deposit. I know for a fact it was her. Uh-huh. And he said, all right, well, let me think about it. I'll call you back. And then about a week later, I got a call from their family's attorney that said, what do you want to do? And I said, what do you mean? What do I want to do? I said, I've told like five people connected to her what I want to do. I want my 4,500 and some odd dollars back. Right. And, uh, and he said, okay. And he said, but you know, she's only in her twenties. She's early twenties. She's just a kid. You know, she doesn't have any money. You know, what do you, I go, well, then get daddy to do it. I said, I don't care who does it. I want my money. And uh, that's the last I heard from her or him or anybody else. Nothing. That was 1993. Oh boy. Okay. So what, I, I know that there's some recent activity on this, um, or m- more recent, but what were the biggest mistakes that you think you made? Like, how can we have people not repeat your same mistakes to end up in this jam? Um, not expose people to opportunity without good procedures in place, right? Mm-hmm. So. I I think it is unfair. This is, I'm going to own my responsibility in this because here are the stupid things I did. So she's clearly a thief. And when I tell you how the story ended, you know, karma's a bitch. But I I will tell you that I don't think it's fair to expose employees without accountability to things that would unnecessarily um, put them in a predicament should they get in trouble. So for instance, uh, I gave her, uh, the mistake I made was I gave her access to the inbound checks and deposits without any accountability. Like I didn't, I managed the business out of the bank account instead of managing the processes that she was using. So, so for instance, would you have, um, I don't know, sent the mail to a PO box and got it there? Cause a lot of my business owners are, have some similar challenges to to what i'm hearing from you but you had her living in your house because what they'll do is have that was a big mistake is, is have their checks sent or have their checks sent home so that they at yeah. least have them in their hands first so how like, given the situation but i don't know that that would have made a difference because i would have still handed her the checks and said deposit them right okay I mean, she was responsible for making the deposit i think um i think what i would have done is i would have met with her every friday uh-huh. And been very clear about the receivables because I was managing the account out of the bank balance uh-huh. rather than what the process was. That makes sense. So yeah. what I should have done was I should have had a spreadsheet with just standard receivables, payables, and deposits and seen where we were. And I would have gotten that. I would have caught that much faster. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I would have caught that much. That was a big, um, that was a big mistake. The second mistake I made was I didn't do any kind of background check on her. I, you know, I didn't talk to a past employer. I I mean, there might've been two or three past employers, maybe one. I don't know. She was young. She's 20 years old, 22 years. Didn't talk to any references. You know, I just said, well, 
you know, she's vouched for by somebody who I trust, who did some assistant work for me before that needed to make more money. And uh, so uh, I, made, I just took the word of somebody. That was a mistake. Um, uh, but I think the biggest thing was checks and balances. I didn't have good, like now, I have probably four bank accounts and my finance person now is in charge of one of them and it's a tax account. And I know every single detail every twice a week, I get an update on Tuesdays and an update on Fridays. Uh, and then I back verify it with my accountant and my bookkeeper. So, you know, it's very specific. And I will tell you that I manage the big account in the company now. Mm -hmm. uh, anything that comes out of my accounts now are all electronic. So there's nobody handling the money um, on the outbound side or the inbound side. And so we really, uh, manage that deposit trail. And I have like probably three backups that I didn't have then. I was just, I was basically working out of a shoebox, right? Money in, the shoebox was the bank, money in the shoebox, pay the bills, money out of the shoebox comes to me. Mm -hmm. Too casual. It was too, it was too, ah, we're not really, I'm not really big enough to have any kind of formal processes. And that I think leaves the door wide open, wide open. Got it. I, I so, so you've got triple backup now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Wow. Now, tell us about the Victims Fund. What's going on with that? Because that's so, a California thing. I never, I never heard of that. Uh, I should. I have it in the other room. I should have brought it in here. The so, you know, the call you never want to get. There are two calls I don't ever want to get. I never want to get a call from the IRS and say, "Hey, we want to talk to you about a matter." Don't uh -huh. want that. Yeah, it's not good. And I don't want to get a call from the district attorney that says, we want to talk to you about a matter. Uh-huh. And so I am somewhere. This is, I don't know when this was. Was it before the holidays, maybe? And I get a call from an investigator from the district attorney's office in Orange County, California. And I'm like, oh God. Am I getting sued? Did I do? Oh God. And I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why. It's like a cop being behind you you're just sure you know you're gonna get stopped yeah yeah totally and uh so i'm like oh, i don't want to make the fact talking about it right now makes gives me anxiety and yeah. i called him back and he said and it was a weird call tracy i mean it was a, one of these it was like hey this is john jones from the orange county district attorney's office i'm an investigator for the da call me back at this number and i'm like so i call him back but it doesn't say welcome to the orange county district attorney's office put in your party's extension. It just went to this voicemail that said, this is John, leave a message. I'm like, oh, that's weird. So my stupidity, I just call him back and he said, hey, I'm calling investigating a case that you were involved in. And I'm like, and it never occurred to me it was this. I mean, it never even crossed my mind. Uh -huh. And he said, um, apparently in the 90s, you had a case against somebody who uh, you allege had stolen money from you. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. And he said, well, uh, as fate would have it, um, she moved back to California and, <laughs> and started writing bad checks. Oh, uh, so this is a lifestyle for her at this point. Yeah, so think, what is that? 2003 so that's 27 years ago yeah yeah so she'd be 47 years old probably now yeah. and uh, he said and she was arrested on a bad uh, she was investigated on a bad check charge 
And when she was investigated, they ran her information and your warrant came up that they had issued for her oh. in 1993. And the question, whatever it was, 93, 94, 92, I don't know. And he said, and so I am investigating what you want me to do with your case. And I said, well, what are my options? Uh -huh. And he said, well, you can pursue it. Uh, you can drop it. Uh, or you can make a suggestion to the judge. And all I need from you is what you want me to share with the DA so the DA can share it with the judge. Oh my goodness. Okay. And What'd I you do? said, well, I said, you know, uh, and see, this is what gets me in trouble between me and you and all your listeners. This is what gets me in trouble. I'm like, yeah, you know, let bygones be bygones. That's right. what I thought in my head. Uh -huh. Then I said, you know what I want it to be is a lesson for her. I said, you know, be sure your sins will find you out. And I said, listen, um, I said, why don't you have her do something for a victim of a crime? Why don't you tell the DA that what I would like her to do is I would like the judge to sentence her to go work with victims of fraud who were really hurt by it. I was hurt uh -huh. by it then. I'm not hurt by it now. Right. I said, I've, I make a good living. I have a good business. Things are going well. If, if I get the money back, it, it's going to be nice. Don't get me wrong. But it isn't going to alter my lifestyle one way yeah. or another. Yeah. I said, but if she could go sit in front of a single mom or a single dad or somebody with cancer who somebody fraudulently cleaned out their bank account for some treatment and she could go face to face with those people, perhaps she would get clarity. Right. And I said, if, uh, you know, and so he said, wow, it's very generous. And I'm like, well, I don't know that it's that generous, really. I said, you know, if it was then, I'd be saying, you know, I want a pound of flesh. Yeah. And um, that was it. And then about, well, whenever you reached out to me, right, in that time period, at when I did that post, I got that, I got a check for the amount of money, for that amount of money, with a letter from this, it's not called a victim's fund, but that's basically what it is. I got a, a letter that said, please find and close. And my wife opened the letter and she said, I've got a check here for you for 45 some dollars from some organization in California. I tell you, Tracy, I, I had forgotten that I had talked to the guy. And I'm like, yeah, hey, some, hey, I don't know what it's, I can't remember what it is. I can get the name for you, but it was some organization. And apparently it's a not-for-profit organization that works in the, I want to say the rehabilitation space. I don't know if that's what it is. That's what it seems like it is. Uh -huh. And then apparently people who they pay restitution uh -huh. uh, into this fund as part of their rehab or sentence or whatever. And then the fund uh, sends it out and it said, we realize this isn't all of the monies that are owed to you uh, as a result of your being a victim. And I hate the word victim, right? Uh, but as a result of your being a victim of this crime. And uh, here's the money. I was like, wow. <laughs> oh my goodness. Is that crazy? Almost 30 years later. Almost and, 30 um, years you know, no And I will tell you, that. that check is still sitting in the little card thing to be deposited. I haven't even deposited it yet. I don't know. Well, why. you better put it through your controls before you. It's <laughs> well, one in my account this time. <laughs> Yeah, oh my, my goodness. Wow. That is quite a story. Now, um, have you heard anything from her at, at all or nothing? No. No. Oh, and that's the other thing I said, you know what I'd like, I'd like her to write me a letter acknowledging what she did, acknowledge and apologizing to me and 
telling me what she's going to do different in her life going forward. That's what uh -huh. I'd really like. That's uh -huh. what I'd like. I said, the money doesn't matter to me as much as her going face, uh, going face to face with it. But clearly she chose a path of, you know, a little, 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 as, as a therapist friend of mine used to say, she has just a dab of sociopathy there, you know. Well, yeah, it's a lifestyle for her. And, you know, you're really a rare case because about 96% of, it, of right? people never see anything, nothing. Right. So now would you change anything you did about uh, the way you handled it at the time, following up with the police or even, uh, you know, having them, talking to them lately Any, anything you do different? No, I, you know I think I think after the fact I was on such a terror in fact many of my friends are like man you just would not let go of it and I'm like you know it didn't have anything to do with the money it had to do with me feeling like the whole system was rigged mm -hmm. to tell you the truth I was angry because I felt like the system was rigged against the little guy yeah and I'm not that guy that believes that but I was like you know, what is, what is it? 80%, some huge percentage of the American economy rests on the shoulders of small businesses and you're mm -hmm. not going to do anything. You're just going to, you know, let it go. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I felt like, and I've always felt like this. And I tell my clients this, I say, there comes a time when there's diminishing returns about the energy you invest. Exactly. I'm not worried about the time, but at some point you're investing a huge amount of energy into something and you're getting no ROI at all. At some point you got to let it go. And uh, my stepdad, who, who's um, one of the, uh, we lost him a year ago, but he's just as, just as much a dad to me as anybody in the whole wide world. Very close, very successful business guy. Uh, didn't get out of the eighth grade, started a company in the 60s, just oh, salt wow. of the earth, Southern gentleman. And I remember sitting down and talking to him about several things that were going on at that time. And he said, you know, Mike, life is about choosing what you spend, he didn't use the word energy, he used time, but for me, it's energy, what you invest your energy in. And you just have to decide whether the amount of energy you've currently invested to get your money back is enough. And if you took the same amount of energy you were investing to chase $4,500, could you go out and make 4,500 or nine or 10 or 20 or 30,000? Exactly. Yeah. Because he said, at some point, the principal doesn't pay the bills. The principal of the thing will not, your mortgage banker does not care about principal unless it's principal of the loan. So uh, I thought that was really helpful. So I was really okay with it. And I'd have been okay with it had I never heard from it again. I'll tell you something interesting, uh, at least interesting to me, because my, my advanced degrees are in psych and the treatment of anxiety, panic, and phobias is what I did in grad school. And mm. It stirred up a lot of crap from that period in my life, though. It was very interesting. It was like you know, I, I live in Scottsdale now. I don't live in Southern California, but mm -hmm. it just, that period of my life had quite a bit of chaos in it right then. Like I was trying to start a business. I had just gone through a merger. I was uh, trying to make things happen. I had right. that occur. I had a bad breakup. I mean, it all happened in the course of about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. So when he called and when I got the check, it didn't feel like, yes, it felt like, ugh. it just it was all felt garbage that's what it felt like. It felt like stuff that I had dealt with years ago and grown past it. And it was kind of a period of my life where I looked back and went, that was just, that was kind of, the business was doing great and I was growing the company, but personally things were kind of topsy turvy. And, and so when I, it really, it was, uh, and I should write about it really. It was really a fascinating 
sort of unearthing of something that had been gone for you know, a long period of time. So. Oh, wow. That is fascinating. I never would have thought that that would have happened. Um, yeah. But, yeah. you know, because um, I have a background in therapy as, as well, and that kind of stuff gets, it gets stuck in our, in our minds and it's still all there unless you're yeah. willing to deal with it, you know, because right. um, we all have good times in life and right. bad chunks and um, that is so interesting that it just that came back because people yeah. can do that to you, you know, old Facebook post or a call or yeah. anything. In this case, yeah. it was a check, which you'd think would be so good. Yeah, I know. Um, so that, that's the, that, you know, I, I talk about the paradox theory all the time, two seemingly opposite concepts that have to work together synergistically, kind of like hot and cold water. And uh, so the, oh, look, I got this, but the, ugh, that whole you know, and then it just brought, you know, she went on, got drunk one night with her boyfriend and me and my girlfriend had to bail her out of a bad situation. Oh. She almost got her, her butt kicked in a bar. I'm just like, oh, it was just a bad whole thing. The whole thing. Yeah. 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 So we're going to distribute that money a little differently. You know, um, you know, we're going to, uh, I sponsor a couple of kids at a school in Rwanda. So we're going to double down on that and do some things. Oh, neat. It. I had a feeling you were going to do something with it. I don't, you never told me that, but I was just like, he's not going to take that money. So, yeah. wow. Good for you. Now, um, why don't you tell people a little bit about um, how they can get a hold of you? Cause you do some neat stuff. Oh, thanks. Uh, what can you do uh, for folks? How can they get a hold of you? The whole thing. Yeah. So uh, we're all, we're just committed to helping leaders perform better and live better lives. Um, so if they go to mikestaver.com, uh, they can go to mikestaver.com and see all the goodies. Um, if at the top of the page of mikestaver.com, if you want to subscribe to Mondays with Mike, I do a Monday morning uh, vlog, I guess you would say, not really a vlog because I answer questions. People send me in questions. Oh, some okay. Very, okay. Some of them are very funny. Some of them are, are much more serious especially nowadays. Um, but it's just a, it's a fun two minute clip. I do every Monday morning called Mondays with Mike. You can subscribe to that. There's all kinds of things there. We, we have a very robust coaching practice that people can apply to be a part of. And our online thing is the thing we're doing the most right now. I have a program called um, Quintessence Leadership. Oh. I did some research about four or five years ago on what it takes to lead effectively. And we found that uh, building culture a uh, rabid commitment to developing people and understanding the science of scaling business um, are the three legs of the stool. And then we built the traits that help people succeed in those three areas. So yeah, they can take a look at that if they'd like. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, um, be sure to reach out to Mike. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're listening, you made it this far in the podcast. He's, he's just a, a gem of a guy. And uh, thank, you. thank you so much for coming on Fraud Busting. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining me. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it. I'll see you next time.